0: Well, Pastor Strong, who can't be here tonight, he called or emailed me a couple weeks ago and he knew that I taught a class like this. And I guess this was requested, huh? This topic? Yeah, okay. Um, And I didn't want to come back and be too much of a classroom teacher. So what I envisioned doing was um, getting you grouped up so that you'd you'd have... maybe Maybe I'd meet a few experts on one of the other religions and you could help on this. But I, I wanted to call this the religious deli because I'm looking at the ways people talk about about religions. And I would say in class, um, you can't treat religions as though it's, it's a delicatessen and just go in and take whatever parts you want, which is really pretty popular to do. And so when I knew when I was doing this topic, I, I got on Google and found an old book that was called The Religious Deli. And the author tries very hard to talk about how the religions are all really pretty much the same but just with different, you know, terminology or cultural differences. But I also noticed that he really, he, I didn't finish the whole book, it was getting to annoy me, but he, um, he, he never really said that Christianity teaches that Christ came to die for our sins. And when you take that out of the equation, then these are all just um, complementary or competing um, ways of looking at life and they can all sort of stand. So I was thinking, well, you know, sometimes we use the term a melting pot. And uh, that's more cultural, I think. And that America became this great melting pot. And some of that goes on in religion. I think there's more non-Christian stuff in Christianity sometimes than we realize. And if you think that sounds heretical, I would ask you, did the idea of bringing a live Christmas tree into the house? Uh, in December, I, you know, that had to be sort of baptized because that was more of a, a German cultural thing, Well, had, before Germany was Christian, Christian, I think it was, it was you know, celebrating the the revival of life in the spring and all that kind of stuff. So people say, well, we weren't really a, a melting pot; we were more of a stew. I mean, all these different religions and cultures are thrown into the pot, but they really didn't blend so easily. And you can still. You can still kind of taste some of it, and some. I mean, my wife is a fussy eater. So I'll see her taking parts out of a stew or a dish that she just isn't going to eat. She really hates olives, and she's going to pull them all out. Um, the deli, I think, implies that you can sort of make your own combination of whatever parts you like. And and uh, along with that, I think goes the concept that you look for something that'll work for you. And so when people talk about I want to celebrate my truth uh that maybe is where is 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 showing that. Now I just put down the TV dinner plate. Do you guys ever even eat off a TV dinner? Okay, yeah, just just uh, Well, you know, you Well, yeah, you know, you'd buy these Swanson dinners and they would have three little, you know, an entree and a dessert and I think I've tried those a few times. Well, they don't taste like much, but the but the plate was very rigidly divided and, you know, some people growing up just can't stand to get you know, any meat sauce on their peas or whatever. They got to be totally separate. Now, I think this is the way I was raised about religions. The best thing that could happen to us is that we had no contact with people who were not Christian unless we were sure we could convert them. So if you have friends that are not Christian, but they're not going to change, what kind of relationship are, are you going to have? And um, there was a very popular illustration, which I hope they don't use anymore, although I think it's in the Wells grade school curriculum. I'm not even sure this is true, but they say people who work in the um, revenue, in the the, the treasury department, looking for counterfeit bills, they never look at counterfeit money. They only look at real money. And the concept is, is that they get to know real money so well, touch it, taste it, smell it, that they will never be fooled by an imitation. And that was used as an illustration for how we don't have to learn about other religions, because we just have to learn our own so well. I don't think that works. I don't know if it ever did, but I don't think it does anymore. I think we have to know something about this. So with cultural diversity being around so much, there's a great push to have Christianity be one of them. And they're all different, but they're all good if they're good for you. So what I the, the, the big part of this discussion will be to get you talking with each other and I could, you know, zip in if you want. I don't know if this will work this way. You have two apiece. But I thought, well, maybe I'll have somebody who knows a little bit more about this religion or that religion. But uh, let's, let's just think about ones that we see pretty regularly. Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, and Islam. So I have a bunch of questions there which you could consider. Um, does the religion have a founder? Do you know who it is? Does it matter? Um, what What's the goal of the religion? In other words, what are you getting out of it? Um, they may not talk about in terms of being saved at all. Uh, Does the religion have rules about how to live? And are some of them strange to you? Um, Is the religion exclusive? In other words, do they say you can only be this religion? Or do some of them say you can be several things at one time? Um, What happens to you after you die according to this religion? Um, Why is this religion attractive to Americans? Because some of them are becoming very popular with Americans, some not so much. I think there's also sort of an Americanized version of many of these, which I think doesn't always take on the very tough parts of the religion. And then, have you had any contact? So how, how do you want to go about this? you want to talk with each other? I mean, does anybody have any experience with any of these religions? I don't know anything. I mean, I
1: know, I know Judaism just because I have friends who are, but I don't know if
0: is it enough that you think you could at least say, "Well, I expect no. anybody else."
2: Similar to Jean with Judaism, but not enough that I could be.
1: Because I, take- I can't imagine, like who's the founder, what's the goal. So I've had discussions with that person because she was she's Christian and her husband was Jewish, and then they they celebrate both. Yeah. Holidays. And I'm like, how can you do that? Because when you're Jewish, you (laughs) don't believe that Jesus ever came. And now you're celebrating Christmas, and that's Jesus' birth.
0: I think about that because as I was coming here, I was listening to a wonderfully nice Christmas song by Barbara Streisand, Mm -hmm. who, of course, is Jewish. (laughs) And probably not anything, really. But it's a cultural thing. I mean, don't you think that if you're going to do that, then you really are saying, well, my Christianity is just another religion? Somehow that's going to come out that way. Well, it's okay, so let's do it this way. Does anybody know anything about any of these other religions?
3: Uh, I've taken like a, one of my religion classes back in high school, and my world history class back in high school has delved into each you know, each, each, of these. Yeah, the religion one, especially like Hinduism. I know that started in like South Asia, like yeah. the India area.
0: Uh, Can I just ask where you went to high school? Uh, Lakeside Lutheran, over in Lake Nose. Okay, I'm so glad that Lutheran high schools are. Not following the, uh, don't tell anybody about anything other religion anymore. They are, even if even if the teacher will say sometimes I really don't know this stuff at all the way I should. He's learning along or she is learning along with you. So great.
3: Yeah, uh, I was thinking Hinduism, Hinduism was the same. Yeah, I used to think that as well. The uh, religion class was helpful in showing like some form of difference, like uh, Hinduism and. Oh. I think the main difference between Buddhism and Hinduism is that I think Hinduism is the one that believes in reincarnation while Buddhism doesn't.
0: Well, Buddhism puts less emphasis on life after death, but there are, you know, Buddhism, my textbook taught that Buddhism was a reform movement of Hinduism. So they both really have this, this sense of your, I mean, it's just, it's as much a given to them that you're going to come back again as it is for Western culture that either you're going to go to heaven or hell Probably not hell, maybe not heaven, or just live once. It's just.
2: Is, is Buddhism to just on what you said, is Buddhism to Hinduism, Hinduism? Eh, Lutheran to Catholic.
0: Somewhat, yeah. I, I would probably say Protestant to Catholic. Okay, uh, that I mean, I think that's a very. It's not perfect, but it's a pretty good analogy because because Gautama, the founder of Buddhism, was an an, uh, an East Indian, and he did hang on to some parts. But he got rid of, and of course, also the whole concept of karma is connected to reincarnation. You are who you are entirely because of how you lived in former lives, and so it's in both of us, both Hindus. That's the dominant trait out of religions out of India, which is Hinduism and Buddhism, and then there are a couple lesser ones. Even though the smaller ones are, you know, fifty times the size of the Wells. Um, but, but um, w- when I asked the question, about do you know the founder, we don't know who the founder of Hinduism was. And uh, the homely illustration I would use is, you probably, have you ever seen Christianity uh, sort of pictured as a tree? You know, it goes, it's roots in the ground and there was just one church and then, you know, this branched off. And some of them was, are quite good, although typically the artists make their denomination, the main one coming out of the trunk. You know, they're, they're the ones that are strong and sturdy and all the others are, whatever. Um, But but it's still a fair picture that all the different denominations in Christianity came off of a tree. But I say that Hinduism is more like a giant coaxial cable. It's got like 50 cables in it, and it never gets narrower at some point because all they know is it goes back. Um, But Buddhism, like Christianity, tends to retell the story of Gautama with their own particular brand of Buddhism in mind, just like we tend to think that Jesus would have been a Lutheran you know, Luther wasn't here yet, but he would have been if he'd been here, because we tend think, and other, other denominations think otherwise also. Do any of you think you know anything else about any of these religions?
3: Uh, Islam's probably the uh, easiest because uh, that was actually a whole uh, chapter in one of my world history classes, like the start of Islam, its growth from an empire into a religion. <clears throat> So I know that the founder of Islam is uh, Muhammad. yes and it is kind of important since he was from his uh, alleged uh, vision from G- the angel Gabriel he uh, he not only founded the religion but made just about all the rules basic rules that any Muslim
0: would follow. and he's very highly revered. I mean, you yeah, know if so- if you if you say to a Muslim you you worship Muhammad, he will vigorously disagree, but it's Pretty close.
3: Yeah, like uh, I think uh, Muhammad is even more uh, feared and revered in Islam than uh, Jesus is, because whereas some uh, non Christians could uh, reasonably get away with mocking Jesus, you can't say the same about non Muslims mocking Muhammad.
0: Oh man, and and you can't you can't show any disrespect for the for the Quran. There are all kinds of rules where if there are four books, the Quran always has to be on top of the stack. And uh, you do not mistreat it. The Quran is like their Bible? Yeah, it's what what Muhammad believed was was revealed to him. And so I would tell the story, I had a professor at seminary who suggested that we take a Bible and break the binding and put it all into notebooks and put notes in there. Of course, you know, you had like 40 binders in your car all the time if you did that. And that was before there were any electronic study Bibles. but you know the idea was interesting, but that would be highly disrespectful to do to a, to do even to the physical, you know, shape of the Quran. Wait, so the Islam religion worships Muhammad? They worship one God, and they use the generic word for him, Allah. Okay. And they will believe that Jews and Christians are trying to worship one God, but they'll say, yeah, you know, the Jews they said there was one God, but then they all that Baal worship stuff and they got tripped up on angels and Christians say they worship one God but they have the Trinity and they can't even explain it to themselves so what are we going to do so they so there's like they're they're like monotheism 3.0 in their minds like it's the last best expression of it but there is I mean Muslims will talk about God being merciful but there is no grace as we understand it where you get the opposite of what you deserve God will be merciful if you show you Ought to be mer- receive mercy. So it's that's quite different. Is this coming any of coming back to you now? Oh
4: it's yeah, very much so. <laughs> Good. Um, they do
2: pretty strict, I'm remembering correctly. Islam? You, yeah, you you just they you know, they they don't do the mercy. They they're pretty strict with the whole you've got someone keeping notes on one shoulder and someone keeping notes and like bad things on one shoulder, good things on their shoulder, and judgment day comes and they just tally them up, and that's how they.
0: That yeah, and 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 there is no uh, sense of original sin, so you are morally neutral. It's up to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, have, uh, the Christian denominations compete for who has the, you know, most brutal sense of original sin, but so they're uh, they're on their own as far as what they do with it. So yeah. What do
4: they believe about even say the pentateuch? The Mosaic Law.
0: Well, you know, in some ways, Islam, at least in the Middle East, is still a lot like the Mosaic Law, partly because their lifestyle is still the same. They have a
2: lot, a, of, a, lot, uh, a chunk of, of Islam, like they, a lot of Christian stuff is wrapped up in the Quran. So, like, Jesus is yeah. a prophet to them. But he wasn't uh, like there was a bunch of stuff that's like, yeah, there they put I did it in. some
3: uh, research of uh, Islam on my own time out of boredom from time to time, and uh, from the sounds of things. It does sound like Islam says that, yes, whatever happens in the uh, Christian Bible does happen, but it's not what these Christians are making it out to be.
0: Yeah, so they like the Old Testament a lot better than the New Testament. yeah. yeah. But I think students that wanted to do a report on a popular topic was about women in Islam, females always do that in class. It's very different from country to country in the Middle East. But I think, I think one of the things that Muslims, if they come from the Middle East to America, they can't understand how we can say religious liberty is important to us, but then not be religious. And we would say, well, you know, part of religious freedom is the freedom not to be religious. And I, for one, don't want to see any government or cultural entity trying to make me more religious. Leave me alone. Let me practice. And they have a hard time getting that, because why would you, why would you be that way? Yeah, yeah, so.
3: Yeah, that's the whole concept of uh, whether uh, religion and whether church and government should be together or separated.
0: Yeah, and you know, that's not to say that Americans have perfectly worked that out. I mean, look at how evangelicals are doing what they're doing to accept people that aren't very evangelical. <laughs> I don't want to get into politics here, but I just don't know how you can call the previous president uh, an, expo- an exponent of a- evangelicalism. So how about this question about what happens after you die?
3: Oh, yeah, that's, that's a pretty easy Ooh, one, like yeah, Hinduism and Buddhism. Uh, <laughs> if I remember right, one of those two was like you get reincarnated until you have lived the perfect life, where in which then you get it going to go into heaven. Is that it? <laughs> there is, there's, there's, uh, there's a,
4: there's a, there's a, sec, there's a section of Buddhism. What's it? Pure land. Pure land, yeah. Pure land Buddhism, where you get to go to heaven. But most of Buddhism is most of Buddhism and Hindu. What's the what's the word of Hinduism for Nirvana? Um, moksha. Moksha. Okay. So moksha is um, both both have the same essential concept where you simply stop being you. And you become one with the universe. Oh yeah. Uh, you explained it as you you have your bucket of you and you dump it into the ocean of the universe.
0: And once you do that, you're never you again.
4: And, and it, you're one with the universe and you're at, you're at, you're in communion with the entire universe. And this happens when you die. And this happens yeah, it happens actually there's sort of a there's sort of a ascendant level where uh, Buddha did Buddha ever die?
0: Oh yeah, I mean Gautama dies within Buddhists don't believe you have a soul, that you're just all made up of parts, and when you die, all your parts go other places. And then, so there's really no permanence. There's no real you that outlasts that. Whereas in Hinduism, you're like a spirit that moves from body to body to body. And
4: it, okay, so that I, you kind of explained my question, but I was going to ask, um, so the Buddha, the Buddha is not reincarnated. Like So there, there's, there's the Buddha, but he's not reincarnated in, Reincarnate because they have a Buddha, but yeah. instead it's it's different people each time.
0: Well, sometimes right? they think that a a Buddhist teacher can almost be reincarnated, with a lot of them still there, and then the person becomes a teacher too. There's a fairly a lot fairly of un, not a, a fairly non entertaining movie called um, The Little Buddha, right. which had uh, Bridget Fonda in and Keanu Reeves was the Buddha. That kind of mm-hmm. killed it for me right there, but but it was. In in the in the movie they inter interplayed the, literal the first story of Gautama with this story of they had an aged Lama a teacher who was going to die so they were looking for someone born or about the right time they thought maybe he'd inherit this so the Buddha Buddhists will talk about you may get to a point where you are enlightened like you're awakened and for the rest of your existence in this life you can stay awakened where you nothing should bother you, you let go of everything, you're quite passive. And I, I have the sense that Buddhists and Hindus are both quite passive about life compared to religions that have gone through Western civilization, they want to more change the world. But I would say, you know, just, just set aside Christianity as the only answer. If you look at it, I think there are four things that can happen to you after you die in all these religions together. One is nothing. And personally, I'm not scared at all of nothing. I mean, if I just stopped, if I was only a collection of atoms, and when I died, I was dead, and you know, the only eternal life I had is if someone still remembered me for a while, probably not too long. That, that doesn't bother me at all. A second possibility is that you would come back here. And as you said, you come back to keep on improving what you'd done before. But you can also slide back. So you could come back you could fall behind. And so that's that's a pretty and I you know, I, when I was in India I tried to talk to people like cab drivers and store people about what they believed and hardly any of them believed anything that the book said. All they said was is well, we kinda think that if you do right you'll get rewarded. But it was very vague. So they don't I don't know, they don't you know like,
2: like do you think that has to do with just like a diversity of like a diversity of belief, or do you have to think that's to do with like you know? We all know pretty firmly what we believe. We're also educated, able to read the book that says what we believe, so we can really like we can really get that yeah. down and agreed upon. Yeah, I'm assuming where you were, literacy probably wasn't as high, things like that. Well, the
0: people I talked on the street were were pretty you know blue collar type people. I was there to teach um, third generation Lutheran Christian pastor Indians. So they had very little real connection to that life for quite a while either. They would say things about Gandhi or whatever, but they really were not part of that culture anymore.
4: Could also be of oh, oh, so, OK, so Christianity, and this is a little bit of my philosophy minor coming up, Christianity is a sort of objective religion where there is right, there is wrong, this is right, this is wrong, and so we have that black and white sort of interplay, and there's a little bit of gray in there. Like law, but um, what was that?
1: When you say this is right and this is wrong, you
4: mean like law? Did yeah, that's law? The, the law. The, well, the, the different law, like actually. the Ten Commandments, stuff like that. And but with Buddhism and uh, Hinduism, um, especially in Eastern religion in general, um, there's a lot of subjectivism where what's right in one moment might not be right in the next, or what's right for you is not right for me. Um, it's a lot of like, what is the universe demanding of you at this moment? And so that might just be cultural. Oh, like, that makes too where cool. uh, the blue collar worker doesn't know what exactly is right or what exactly is wrong. And they're just kind of relying on their innate sense or what the universe asks them to do
0: yeah, the moment. yeah, there is in Hinduism this concept that there is a universal law of what is right and wrong called the Dharma, which is kind of written into people. That's one of those words that has an H in it with no apparent purpose, D-H-A-R-M-Y. So if you say, well, you know, you got to live a good life to advance and you get better karma, well, better a better life by what measurement? So that like Christian, you know, Christianity says... That the law was written in our hearts, but then they say it was also written in the scriptures. Uh, Hinduism says that the Dharma was written out in the Code of Manu. And actually, you know, you could learn a little bit about some of these religions by watching the Big Bang Theory or um, um, The Simpsons, because they both had people on their writing staff that were pretty careful about the details. And uh, side so asked students, How many of you had parents who said you can't watch The Simpsons? All kinds of hands raised right? up. I says, Well, you really miss an opportunity to get some religious education. So I encourage you to watch every Simpsons episode you can, now that you're free to do that and don't have to tell, because I mean, they stereotype people to some degree, but I mean, you have shows like, like this, I think it was a really bad religious show, like like Touched by an Angel that has no religion in it at all. It's just be nice to people, you know? Um, so anyway, so, so, so nothing can happen to you, or you can come back again and again But even, you know, they're not, don't expect to go to heaven the way we do because Christians have such a sense of they keep their personality. You know, we're told that we will be known and that we will see each other again. And religions out of India are very impersonal that way. In fact, they find it odd that we think of a God as personal and he has anger and he likes and all that. Or you could go to heaven, which everybody kind of hopes to want to do, but they're pretty scared they're not good enough. And some people are afraid it's going to be too boring. I don't know if any of you read Don Quixote and Hell, and you're in a literature class where he had the choice to go to one or the other. And, you know, hell was way more interesting than heaven. Um, or you go to, you know, so it's heaven, hell, nothing, or.
1: Catholic, there's purgatory.
0: Yeah, except for. Her, does anybody believe that anymore?
1: Well, my age group friend. Did Italian very Italian?
0: Yeah. yeah. Does it does it work to scare them though? Like when they're sick or?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and she she was very sick and and died, and uh, and I'll tell you, she was scared. She didn't know where she was going to go, and
4: it wasn't at all. And yeah. It was late Yeah. You know, we oh. are at a Catholic university. I'm wondering if I just walked out and found a student.
3: Right now. If I could. Just like that, well.
4: <laughs>
0: Not even the theology department, I don't think, here. Uh, the theology
2: department would probably
4: tell like you some stuff.
0: But. They'd probably know about it, but I don't know what they would tell I don't, I don't,
4: don't
2: know
4: Is there still purgatory? Oh. Is purgatory still. like? Uh, I know the Vatican from outlawed. I know. Idol. I make a phone
0: <laughs> 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 Well, yeah, but American Catholicism, I think, is different than like if you go to oh, that's, that's uh, South that's America that's or.
3: I know uh, I've been to like I know a few Catholic people. I've been to a Catholic church once, and we not one that is just like a typical Catholic, like praise all the saints and stuff. this one This one was largely just based around the Triune God, and I can say I think less and less Catholics believe in purgatory now than they did back when
0: Lutheranism was added to Christianity. Oh, the surveys say that like ninety percent of Catholics don't believe it's real. And as far as hell, they believe there's a hell, but hardly anybody's there. You know, Hitler, maybe, Jeff- Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> to be
3: fair, they do also warn of uh, fake Christians and fake Catholics, where they say they're Christian or Catholic, but all their words and beliefs prove otherwise. Yeah,
0: kind of a cultural cultural Catholic, yeah. I had a, I had a Catholic kid in class who, when he learned about Lutheranism, he says, well, you're just slacker Catholics. Hmm. I mean, you have a lot of the same ideas, but you don't have to do as many things on yeah. every Saturday or Sunday or Friday. Or I, t- I was
1: raised Catholic, eight years in Catholic grade school. So, yeah. My, my mother and then I, I grew I, up Catholic. And then I took an information class from Pastor Heitner, and now I'm Lutheran.
0: I heard, I've, heard, uh-huh. I've heard so many former Catholics say they learn more about Catholicism in the Lutheran pastor's confirmation class.
1: They didn't let us have Bibles.
0: Yeah, that's, ch- that's changing eight
1: eight now. In, I mean, and I'm old, oh. so. But when I went to Catholic grade school, yeah, we, one month, we didn't have a Bible to read. We were just told sudden, by the nuns. That one guy. You know? But, and we had all nuns that taught
2: us. <laughs> this isn't a very good correlation, but I have a friend who is, who's Jewish, but he's, like, um, culturally, culturally Jewish. And they like, said, like, they're practicing Jewish, but, like, they, it's... It, the my, The explanation or point I get from it, it's more for the sake of tradition and things than actually yeah. like, practicing. But like, he didn't know. It. I was I asked. I was curious because when I had a theology class here, I found out that Catholics count the Ten Commandments differently than we do. And i was like, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, okay. a lot of Protestants do. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and so I was wondering if which way Jewish people counted it. They the count the way like, they, they count in the way
0: Catholics and Lutherans do.
2: Okay. Well, no.
0: I don't know about that, but Baptists, and that's
2: like like where the where the break like the ninth commandment and the tenth commandment for Catholics is combined. Yeah, they break up one and two or something like that. Like there's a break up earlier.
0: Yeah, that, that well, but but see, I wouldn't think that Catholics would do that because they love all these images in their churches, and the camisus not oh, and, but that's why Baptist churches are often so plain because they're not going to have much artwork or stuff like that.
2: Anyway. Work, so. The point is, when Maybe you talk you about commandments
0: with stuff. somebody, don't just use the number.
2: Yeah, that, that's.
0: So you talk back to your mother, and your friend says, "Wow, way to break the fifth commandment." And you say, "I didn't kill her." <laughs> they, they'd be, <laughs> they'd, be off, they'd be off one.
3: Yeah, I, I, I learned this uh, back in like uh, middle school. I went to a Lutheran school, and uh, just the whole meaning of "You shall not murder." It's actually not meant to be more than just physically harming people. Oh yeah. Like. Uh, If you cause any kind of damage, mental, psychological, physical, anything, that's technically murder uh, in uh, interpreting that uh, law of God.
0: Well, anyone who looks, you have heard that it was said you shall not murder, but I have to say if you hate your brother in your heart, you're a murderer. Mm -hmm. So you have some people, I think, pushing the limit and said, well, since the sin's a sin, might as well go shoot him, you know. (laughs) And and this is a and I don't, know if, I don't know if you've all got I don't know if you've all got the Wells Wells stamp you know, but there are some things we all learn as Wells people we never really taught to question them, and students will always say all sins are equal always, and I'll say but then, so then I'll say I'll believe you if you can handle John nineteen eleven so they look at that it's Jesus before Pilate, and and Jesus is the Pilate. the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin and they look at it, and they, you know, what, what does this mean, you know? And, well, certainly some sins have greater consequences. I can hate my neighbor all I want, and God says that's a sin in my heart. But as long as I don't shoot him in the backyard, he's he's safer. yeah different story. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, more, that's more public property. <laughs> it's a philosophical
3: sin. Like, uh, mm-hmm. it's a huger sin to uh, disown God than it is to... Uh,
4: uh, like, say... Steel. But say... S- yes, yeah, seal. Calvin, why? Is it the consequence of it, or is it the sin itself? Is it... what? What is the consequence of not living God? Uh, not, uh, yeah. not living God, more like disowning God. Like, what, uh,
3: What's the consequence of that? Uh, if you do not redeem
4: yourself, you have zero chance you, of getting into heaven. You go to hell. And what if you just, you know... Swipe of candy. What is the consequence of that?
3: Uh, that that would only be like a strike against you. You're sounding uh, Catholic. Or,
0: you know, with their mortal and venial sins.
4: Oh, is is that a Catholic thing? Oh yeah. Oh, some things are worse than others. Yeah. But but I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm.
0: Well, there is I'm a sin, There is all the all sin all, against you know, the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And and the books all say it's not a. It's, it's, it's not a, it, 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 Jesus says it cannot be forgiven. It's not because it's such a big sin, but because by its nature it cuts you off from God.
2: Well, so, like, doesn't Paul talk about uh, sexual sins as being like a sin within, against the...
0: Within well, it's God. against your own body. Yeah, uh, other sins you commit are outside your body. Um, I, I, I puzzle over what exactly that means. Um,
3: I mean, uh, it does say uh, in both... I don't know if I got this from the... Uh, catechism or Bible, but uh, it said that uh, the Holy Spirit lives in uh, everyone's bodies, so uh, whenever you perform any sexual sins, that's usually not only against yourself but against the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, and I think I think sexual sins can be of a nature where you, let's say you are that way when you're young and then when you're older you have great regret. Um, in a way that you may not have over other things. Although, uh, I don't know. I know people have been thieves in there. They have a hard time. I I don't know. Um, What I would say to you is that none of the other religions are as exclusive as Christianity. And that is probably one of the big things that people who are Christians and then leave uh, say, there can't just be one way. There can't just be one way to get there. It's got to work for different people. And they'll sometimes say to us, well, if you really believe that, why aren't you doing more about it? And I think that's a, fa- that's, that's a fair question. You know, do we really live day in and day out like people who don't believe and don't hear are going to be lost? But, um, you know, I'd I, I probably plead guilty too. I don't want to stand on a street corner giving out tracts. I don't know if it works, you know, but... but
1: um, Question.
0: You can go wherever you want.
4: <laughs> question number two:
1: What is the goal of this religion, or how is a person saved? So again, Hinduism and Buddhism. Okay, in my head, Buddhism is like people who worship this like sculpture and sit and meditate. I mean, that that's what I that was my vision of it. And yeah. On Hinduism, I didn't. I knew it was Indian, and I and I had some students who who were, but the, you know. They were doing it more because out of respect for their parents, so they didn't understand what they were doing. Yeah. Well, so
0: what's the? the A lot of Buddhists are actually atheists, and it's more of a philosophy and a culture. Mm -hmm. So whatever they're doing with the statues, I think is to arrive at a a detached, peaceful kind of way of looking at life. Um, Traditional Hinduism said there were hundreds of millions of gods. You could not possibly know them all. And I don't know if that's still kind of that way in India today. We had some neighbors in Waukesha who were celebrating Diwali. The Diwali was talked about quite a bit this year. And, you know, they have a lot of good food and they the victory of light over dark. Uh, but no savior, no sense of a savior. Um, but in America, I think Hindus tend to say all these different ideas of gods are sort of, Brought under a single Godhead type of thing so they sort of Americanize it a little bit um, I've never gone to the temple in um, Delafield Pewaukee I'm really not very interested in that stuff now that I've stopped stopped teaching and I that's down the list you know but um there is a some Jews have a vague sense that there could be something better for them after they die, but it's very um, is it, oh yeah, well they, they they say that the Old Testament didn't know anything about a second coming of a Messiah. These are reinterpretations of Christians back into it. Usually Jews are pretty; they're usually calm about, you know, not trying to convert people. But I've listened to some really zealous um, evangel, evangelical Jews, if there is such a thing, not Christians, but they're really trying to convince people that Judaism is better. There is no hell. And that, too, is largely cultural. Um, in fact, an illustration I used to use, because Jews talk about being chosen. And when Christians talk about that, they mean that some are chosen to be saved and others to be lost. And that's not the Jewish sense at all. And here's the illustration, maybe you live through this. You are in a family of four kids and you must all take piano lessons. And three of you are really bad at it. But you do it because mom says to and You know, you get through the recital twice a year. And you, you know you probably don't really try very hard, but she's, she knows you're not trying, but, and you know she knows, but okay. And one of your siblings, maybe you're the sibling, is like a musical genius. They can play from their head. They, I knew one person who could recognize the themes of major musical pieces when he was still in preschool. Your mother is not going to settle for the same level of mediocrity from you as she does from your other siblings. And that's the way they look at their relationship with God. They'll say, God has treated th- the Jewish people better than anybody else, and so we owe him. We owe him to make the world a better place. We
4: better?
0: Well, in some ways, they've been treated a lot worse a because, because part of what they say is being God's chosen people also opens you to suffering, okay. and we will not be under... But they will say, who had the scriptures like we had it? Who had this history? And look around you at a university, I mean, Jewish people way beyond their numbers care about education, do well, are doctors and scientists and philanthropists and and all, and they're not motivated by life after death.
4: What are they motivated by then, other than, you know, we should do it?
0: That's pretty much it. Now, if you're a good Christian, if you're a good Christian, that counts for Jews. You know, you're an upright person.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh, two for That leads to the big <laughs> question, though. What if there's a Jew out there that doesn't actively uh, try to go out of his way to do good?
0: Well, they're out there. Don't yeah. Steal, steal cattle, right? <laughs> I, I think that Christianity has the most to gain, but also the most to lose. Most religions say, well, you're not perfect, but, you know, you can fix this. Here are a few rules, here are a few things you can do to be better. Christianity says you're hopeless. In fact, the more you try to be good, the worse you are. You're dead, and the only hope for you is to realize you're dead so that you can see that Christ has raised you up. So there's much more to gain, but there's much more to lose. And, you know, we, I sometimes, as a kid, used to sit and think, Gee, I wish I'd never been born. I don't want to be in this, you know, gigantic win-lose thing. And yet, you know, God has opened the door. He's forgiven everybody. He's opened the door to everybody. What's stopping us? What's stopping people? C.S. Lewis has a good line, which I can't exactly quote. He says, I'd love to get rid of the passages about hell in my Bible, but they're in there. And I'm sure that Jesus said them. But really, what do people want? Do they? Do they want God to just wipe the slate clean? He already did. You're not—you're not taking it. You don't want it that way, whether it's your pride or, you know, you just look at Christians and say, "God, then I have to be like them," and you just can't picture that. Yeah, I—I don't know. Go ahead. Was that just your hair? Okay. I
2: was just messing with my hair. Oh, okay. Uh
0: Well, (laughs) I in class I go for any movement above the. You know, the mid-chest mid, mid area is counting as wanting to say something. Well, so what makes some of these religions attractive to Americans?
1: Well, Judaism, if there's no hell, right? I mean, I was kind of scared,
0: right? Oh, yes.
1: At least as a Catholic, I was brought up to
0: believe it was. Yeah.
1: And I still, even when there's the Bible verse the, as I walk through the valley of death, You know, like to me, that to me, how I right now envision it is like when you die, you're going to have to walk through this. And do you have the confidence and the faith in Jesus to make it through?
0: He's got you by the hand, though. He's taken you along. There's actually a place in Israel that they call the Valley of the Shadow of Death. It's uh, outside of Jerusalem on the way to Jericho. Very hilly. Great place for robbers to hang out. And they actually call that. Maybe they did it for our sake, though, because they. They knew they had a, a Christian group there, as they tried to please them. Does this
2: place, like, is it still,
0: like, huh? it's still there? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's 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 a well, you know, I I wouldn't want to be out there by myself. There's a lot of Bedouins that still live out there, and they're usually trying to sell you stuff. That's I and mean, they're almost stealing from you for what they're charging some stuff. But you're out there with a with with a tour bus, you know. And you're pretty safe, but but when Jesus said there was a man who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, they all they all got that because that's that's like saying you know he was on the south side of Chicago and ran out of gas. I mean that's a dangerous place to be. Oh, yeah.
2: is there a, like, I, I could believe that Is there is there like a town or something? Oh yeah, now?
0: yeah.
4: Interesting. Re- <laughs> That's a move. Do they rebuild on the old Jericho? The old,
0: the old, the old ruins are there. You can, oh. you can you can look at them. You can see the remains of the digs that happened three four times during the last century. But then there's a there's a there's a village. I've I've had lunch there. I've a lot of fruit stands, and uh, it was going to be the capital of the um, of the um, Palestinian state for a while. Wow. But did you, um, did
2: you walk around the ruins forty times just for funsies?
0: Oh no. Did you wear
3: some Birkenstocks? <laughs> Did I what? Did you wear some Birkenstocks on the
2: tree?
0: No, I think it was just tennis shoes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you You know, going to Israel is, is in some ways, going to be a letdown because people think it still looks like Christmas cards, you know? And, yeah, and the reality
3: is, uh, it's it, just, it's, it just looks like. I've seen uh, photos of uh, Israel and Jerusalem and. Uh, I'm pretty sure it doesn't look too different from the rest. of
0: Some parts, because there's still that Middle Eastern feel to them. There are streets in Jerusalem and enough you can walk, you can touch both sides, because it's just walking traffic in the old city. Last time I was in Bethlehem, there was a giant bedsheet out the window with the Oser Arafat's face on it, which is not what you expect, you know, on your on your Christmas cards.
2: So
0: is this what it looks like? That's 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 uh, that big gold ball. That's where the, pretty much where the temple used to be. That's, a,
3: yeah, that's, the, uh, that, that's the Muslim temple. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, that's actually a pretty nice site
0: of... Yeah, and sometimes like, you can get in and sometimes you can't. Um, they believe that Muhammad ascended to heaven from there, but then came back the next day. It was just an overnighter. He talked with God. And, <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs>
4: that, that, I
3: never <laughs> yeah. heard that. That, that. That's pretty odd. I mean, uh, they all talk about
0: it. I don't know if it's in the Quran though. It might be in a tradition. I mean, the farther the farther south you get, the drier it gets. But in the north, there's more water per year than we get.
2: This is the land of milk and honey. So Maybe. You gotta go from desert to somewhere.
3: Yes. I, that, that paints a whole new picture as to uh, all the events that happen in the upper areas throughout the Bible. It's
4: a lot greener than you imagine.
3: Yeah. Like uh, when I uh, figured out that uh, most of the Bible takes place in like the Middle East, I was like. Okay, so assume that it's mostly deserty with the Egypt. occasional grassy
4: plains. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: farther, the farther south you go, we, I was on a bus one trip that we went all the way down to, you know, there's kind of these two fingers that stick up and there's the Sinai Peninsula down to, went through the Negev. It was like lunar. I mean, there was just nothing growing at all. But up north, um, I've, got, I've gotten caught in snowstorms and rain. Um, in fact, there's a story in Judges where all the charioteers of whatever country got stuck in the mud and they couldn't move. And we were probably on that same route. And when you're on a road with no, no drainage ditches and they get all their rain like eight days a year, it's really a mess.
4: No, it's during the dry season. That's why it was weird that they kept out in the mud. Yeah, yeah. Pastor Han did a sermon on it.
0: Well, I think, I, th- I think it's this either-or of Christianity, this absoluteness that really... Turns a lot of people off of it. Hmm.
1: Um, and Islam is that a growing? Oh
3: yeah, religion
1: here. It's growing. Is that because of, of people who are immigrating here,
3: Partially. or is it yes. because
1: they're converting people?
3: Um, yes, both. I think I think uh, it's uh, both uh, immigrating into America, converting people, and uh, I could be wrong about this, but I heard that one of the big. Uh, family life doctrines of Islam is have as many kids as you can. Uh, uh, forget about uh, hospital bills or medical bills. Just try to have as much mm-hmm. kids. I don't know if that's still around in America. So what makes it attractive to Americans?
1: Because isn't Islam, isn't that like where women America, are like?
0: Well, in some places, but not all, like all of like them. secondary
1: citizens. I think so you
0: have you
4: to. Really, you have yeah, to not really. cover yeah. everything. And
0: yeah. I think you have to think about people like Muhammad Ali and and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, too, both of whom grew up Catholic, and both of whom came to a sense that I can't, I can't accept Christianity because Christianity endorsed white people owning black people. And so Islam is a truly egalitarian religion. Um, uh, men and women are equal. Now, equal In
4: Islam.
0: Yeah, in Islam, even though we hear some terrible things about some, some Muslim countries. And I think we Even have to... in Afghanistan? Afghanistan, Afghanistan is bad. Um, Egypt, not so much. What about
3: Iran, Iraq?
0: Yeah, you know, Iran used to be a wonderfully beautiful place. Lebanon, they're, they're not anymore. But there's a fundamentalism in Islam, just like there's a fundamentalism in Christianity that's making more rules about stuff. Okay. Um, I know, I
1: mean, my daughter is married to south american so again a different take on catholic down there truly very different yeah but um the grandma and grandpa were in saudi arabia they he built an airfield their they're pilots and they lived there and knew like the king and um but they had to live on a base and the the woman the grandma would say it was horrible she couldn't go out unless she had her burqa on and she could and that's and that was in Iraq. I think. Yeah, yeah. So and so mostly in my head, Islam to me, in, I interpret it as very down on women, like not equal at all. Like when you say it's egalitarian.
0: Yeah, and you can find passages in the Quran that are harsh toward women, just as some people say they find passages in the New Testament that say your wives submit to your husbands. Um, oh, and so right, they.
1: And a lot of people well there's a lot of women in the world that are
0: like, well, we can't vote, we don't have a thing, you know. I think for for African Americans in the United States, there was a, you know, you'll you'll occasionally see an old basketball player or athlete or whatever that has taken on a new name and they just cannot follow Christianity. And I think you have some of that with Jewish people too. I went to um, Israel six times, I think, always with this same Israeli dual citizen, who lives in, I guess, Mequon now. And one night, he'd always have a farewell dinner, and one year, there this one very evangelical Christian woman said to him, I just so pray for you that you'll become a Christian. I mean, right at the dinner, you know. And he said, Christians killed eight of my relatives in, in the concentration camps in Poland. I can't be a Christian. And so I think they will look at that and say that we've been kind of ruled out by the way we've been treated. And yet I know I know Jewish people who become Christians and who say, I really get this whole Old Testament thing. In fact, one man who was raised, who was Jewish by culture and religion, asked to get a cab in Jerusalem and he prayed to Jesus at the Wailing Wall and he said it was the most moving moment of his life. So that went together, but they, they pay a price. That with their-
2: my, <laughs> my Jewish friend. He's, I was talking to him once about the whole thing and- he was like, no, the, the Jewish leaders didn't kill Jesus. The Romans killed Jesus. And then later Christians pivoted that on Jewish people as another reason to discriminate against them. And, you know, yeah. Jews have gotten the shot. A yeah,
0: and that's not just said by Jewish people either, that it was Jesus was more of a political adjutant and best to shut him up.
2: This is jumping backwards, but to your point, there is a, a girl I went to high school with who was Islamic she was on the climbing team, and at one point, I don't remember why it came up, but we were in a conversation, she was like, I think I'm going to start wearing, because she didn't wear the headdress, and she was like, I think I want to start wearing it because I think I want to try and be a better Muslim. And then she wore it for a while, and I don't think we had talked about it later, but she stopped, I guess it wasn't doing it for her. But mm-hmm. it
0: was interesting. Yeah, the Islamic Center has a grade school. You know, an Islamic Center off in Layton, 13th and Layton. And they have a grade school, and the girls all wear the, Moderate, you know, not the, just the eyes, and they will say they really appreciate the freedom of not being judged by their body type. Yeah. You know, it, it 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 hides the body shape rather than accentuates it or even improves it. That so much of Western culture doesn't. They feel kind yeah, of that's a freedom. really a good
3: point. Like, uh, like I'm pretty sure I I've run into plenty of like pro feminist uh, style stuff, both online and in real life, but. Very rarely uh, do I ever uh, consider the thoughts of how do Muslim women even feel about uh, the whole rule of they're only allowed to show themselves to their husbands, like um, repressed
0: or whatever. Yeah. uh, You know, I I saw a story about a woman who was an actress in, in her middle years, and whatever role she had, there was no concern about her having to wear makeup. I mean, the role called for her not doing that. And she said, this is what it's like to be a man all your life. Men don't care how they look. They don't have to worry about about that they'll be denied jobs because they skew old or, you know. that." I, and honestly, a lot of men kind of are that way, you know. And, and, and so I, I could see where they would, the Muslim girls would say, I, I love being in a classroom and just getting to discuss or learn without all the, all the mean girl stuff, you know that.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, us guys, we can get pretty self-conscious about how we look, but uh, not the rest of the world.
0: Well, I, I guess so. You know, the, the phenomenon as a guy my age—I just turned seventy—I see in restaurants all over all over the place the women look so great. They're dressed up. They, you know, whatever whatever they do, and the man maybe washed his baseball cap before. That. Thing, how, how did this get to be this way? <laughs> but, well, anyway.
2: Andrew, hold your man to standards, all right? He's not wearing a baseball cap to the nice dinner he's taking <laughs> you to. Like, dress up. That's nice clothes. Don't
0: worry. Good. Mm. So, I don't know how long you want to go here. Um, so, in. the Well, I, here I do kind of have an answer. The first one, I think, is the way a lot of people from my generation back were taught. They're all wrong. They're all completely wrong. Stay away from them. And um, it was a revelation when I read C.S. Lewis' The Mere Christianity that the first thing he had to learn to become a Christian is that the other religions weren't entirely wrong. They had some, I mean, students are surprised to find out how much the ethical requirements for a lot of religions are quite similar to Christianity. They have a few occasional things that are different. But, you know, the law written in our hearts that we have a sense of right and wrong, is going to show itself in other religions. And the thing is, I mean, I, I would still say that Christ is the only Savior in the world. But, you know, if you if you say right at the beginning, well, we're going to learn about other religions, but the first thing I'm going to tell you is they're all wrong. You're really not going to learn very much that way. You know, it kind of shuts everything off. Um, I've done a little bit
4: of reading. I'm also going to paraphrase it. Um, the way he phrased it was, Christ taught nothing new and most um, most um, relig- uh, new religious movement leaders don't or like the, be- the best religious leaders don't teach anything new because um, as a Christian we understand that's part of the natural law and so we all understand inherently what's right and wrong the only thing that Jesus really taught that was different was that um, there was a way to be there was there was a reason you needed to be saved, and there was a way to be saved, or there was a way that by which you could
0: be saved. Well, see, and I would say that in all the other religions, doing good is the religion. Yeah. In Christianity, doing good is a byproduct of the relationship you have with them, and that's something quite different. So, you know, I think, I think you can say, well, Christians still say that other religions do not save, but is that a good way to start? The opposite, the polar opposite, is the way religion is taught in many colleges and universities, even many churches, where that all religions are saying the same thing, just in different cultural language. And so, um, the big story, the meta narrative, you if some guys would say, is that God loves you. Now, if you learn that that Jesus was compassionate, or if you learn that Buddha was compassionate, same difference. Then there's no need for conversion of any kind. Why, why bother people? Now, the third approach which is the middling approach is, I think, the best one. And this really, I credit Stephen Prothero, who teaches in Boston. He says, we have to ask every religion, what does this religion see as the problem that must be resolved? And what does it offer as the solution? And this is why you can't treat religion like a deli and just take whatever you want, because they don't answer the question. If Christianity says that the problem is human sinfulness and God is perfect, If that's really true, now you can tell yourself, I don't believe that, I don't want to believe that. People say to me, my God would never do that. Well, who is your God? If that's really the truth about the universe, then Buddhism isn't going to help you. It may make you comfortable. It may make you more pleasant, give you peace of mind. It's not going to save you. So Christianity alone identifies that the problem is that God is a perfect God who demands justice. We don't live up to it. None of the other religions treat God that, let's say, rigidly, and then it offers the only solution to that. And again, you can you can question the solution You say, what kind of a crazy God would sacrifice his son? I don't think we're in the position to bargain with him about that. And I think when you take that middle route, you can still talk with people then. And maybe when we talk with them, we sound a little bit less defensive, maybe, and we Recognize. I mean, there are some things that I really like about other religions, so much so that one student emailed me at the end of the semester and said, I'm afraid you're not a Christian anymore because you just seem to like some of these religions too much. Well, I was just trying to be kind, you know, and tried to understand them for what they're worth. Um, And to me, that seems to be the best approach. In other words, you learn each of the religions on its own terms, what it says it is about. And I wonder sometimes who people, many people say, I don't want a God who is so just and demanding. And I wonder how they feel when they get sick or when they get in an accident and they see how much sin really is the central, you know, problem with the human race. (coughs) But that's not to say it's going to all be easy. Um, So what I would suggest, well, and sometimes I'll use the illustration too. You go to a restaurant and anybody, all, all the people on the table, any of them can order anything they want, right? And although you might know, question somebody's judgment, that's okay. If I go to some place and I can have liver, I'll have it, and the other people can't stand the thought, but it's not right or wrong. But you can't get on any plane at the airport and say, I'm going to Denver, so I want this one to go there. It doesn't work that way. You can only get to Denver on the plane that's going there. So is religion more like being at the restaurant or more like being at the airport? And I think people find it very hard to picture God in the airport model. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but
3: uh, I think the airport, this could be just me, but I think the airport one does make a lot more sense when you really think about it. Like, not every airline is going to get you to where you want to go. And uh, there's another factor as to. the uh, very occasional to rare plane crash, like uh, <laughs> there's that type of right or wrong, like uh, will this air flight get you to your destination safely or will it not?
0: Well, yeah, yeah. I, I flew on Zambian scare lines, as they call them, a few times, and they did make you feel a little nervous. But um, if, if the universe really operates the way the Bible says it does, then my, my only hope is in a savior because I, I can't do this for myself. And I actually make myself more angry by trying. And so it's a kind of a divine surrender. And I knew I knew that at the college, I was at WLC 34 years, and they were almost all Wells when I got there. They no, there were like 200 students and there were 97% Wells. I mean, there were more non-Wells people than there are fewer non-Wells people than there are people in this room then. Now it's about 55% Lutheran. And I know I've got students in front of me who are sometimes Muslim, not about any Jewish, um, Uh, Asian religion sometimes, and and I would say, I I, I can't believe for you, but I want you to hear Christianity from somebody who believes it, that you can reject it intelligently, if nothing else, that you understand it. And I think that's the best thing we can do for people, which kind of leads me to the last part here. Do a lot of listening. You know, we, we, we tend to feel we have to get like eight books and study and have every answer, like, you know, like, automatically and, and just go ahead and listen, because often the individual person isn't the same place where the book says they are. And that's true about us, too. When I say avoid drive-by attacks, I mean I think it is a cult, part of the culture of our church body <coughs> that what we have not understood or not fully agreed with we've made fun of. And I think that sometimes hurt us with other people. When I talk about drive-by shootings, I'm especially thinking of my pastoral brethren who make a very side comment about a religion like in a clause in the sermon and never really explain himself. And the person out there says, well, do you even know anything about this? I mean, I'm curious. Um, if you don't have enough time to get to actually talk about it, maybe don't take the shot that way. Offer to go with a friend or family or to a non-Christian religious event. Go to something if they ask you. Maybe you can trade and he'll go with you to something. Um, And I think this is the hardest part. Maintain a relationship with a friend or family member of a non-Christian. We tend, I think, to look at people who agree with us and say, great, we're in fellowship, we can do everything together, go to school together, go to church, or we can say, you're not in fellowship, I must stay away. What about all the people who don't fit in either category? You're gonna have friends, you're gonna have family members, maybe you'll even have a spouse. Yeah, you may have a spouse who does not, maybe they're a Christian, but a different denomination, there's some significant differences, or maybe you're married to someone who is, is not a Christian. How, how do you maintain the relationship and still love them, um, while well, knowing that these these differences may, you may never conquer them? But that's what's been good for me being at WLC, too. I think if I were at MLC and the school body was 100% Wells, I'd feel a little stifled, <laughs> And I'm not complaining because of course it should be because they're going to go into the church's ministry. We're not expecting to recruit, recruit Baptists to be pastors, but it's just the nature of how different it is. I, we, had a, we have a, a college conference every three or four years. It's us, New Alm, and Bethany. And we get together one place or another. And we, well, we, we sometimes have had our disagreements, but we try to be nice. And one night, one, one year, they had us all together by discipline. So I was sitting with the religion teachers, the other two. And I was telling him some stories about some of my students, you know, the, the two who were pagans, and openly said so, and they follow pagan practices, and, you know, the, the person, <laughs> never forget.
2: Pause, what do you mean when you say that? What?
0: Well, that's, that's their terminology, that they have a life which, their, their viewpoint is that they want to embrace all of nature in the world and have no concept of a god or any sort of accountability to him. Okay. And one was Catholic and one was Lutheran growing up. growing up. Or I'll never forget the African American student who did a report on what is that in the in the Caribbean. And the first thing he said is, We must hate all white people <laughs> And he said it to the whole, the whole class is all white except for him, you know. But the more I talked about some of the students I have, the more this New own professor said, I couldn't teach in a situation like that. And I think he's right. I think for him he couldn't. That was not in his experience and um so, you know, to try to maintain a relationship when you know that you may not be winning the battle, but that you're available to talk and that you can still find other things in the person that you admire and love, I think that's challenging.
1: Because you never know.
0: Because you do never know, you never right. Know when the Holy Spirit's... Yeah, and, and someone may... Someone may one day say, would you talk with me about this? Mm-hmm. They've been thinking, and the Spirit works... And your
1: actions, I, I believe, your actions speak louder than your words. And people who see you, and you stand by them, and you support them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: then they ask you, "Why are you doing that?" And you, because I know that God loves me, that Jesus loves me, and I'm saved.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I went to uh, I went to a, a testimonial dinner for one of my professors in Chicago in grad school. And he talked about how he just couldn't understand how this guy could do so much, do so much writing and always was busy with stuff. You think, well, then he's neglected his family. Family loves him. They've taken in foster children. And um, what did he say? I. He said that this person feels that he's forgiven, and that was the impetus for all that he did. So... Yeah, and and there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee either. I mean, you you look at the stories in the Gospels where the person went away away and Jesus was sad. And we don't know how those stories turned out. Well, I don't know if this is what you thought this might be, but... Any (laughs) questions? I sometimes would say to classes that I think a class is good when you have more questions when you're done than when you start. But they're better questions then, because you know more about it.